In the, <clears throat> in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth and final month of, uh, week, sorry, of the month of Kiak, where we are celebrating all of the events leading up to the Nativity of Christ. Um, again, the first week we spoke about the Annunciation of St. John the Baptist. The second week, the Annunciation of Christ to St. Mary. The third week, when St. Mary visited St. Elizabeth. Um, and today, the birth of St. John the Baptist. And of course, this coming Friday, we will celebrate, Friday night, we will celebrate the birth of our Lord in the Feast of the Nativity. We've been studying the book on the Incarnation, which is um, written by St. Athanasius the Apostolic, to explain and to defend the doctrine of the Incarnation. Why is it that the Lord had to come and to be incarnate um, for our sake? And we've spoken in the last three weeks about various topics. The first was, why was the incarnation necessary? And he spoke about the creation and the fall. How did God create us to be and what we were after we fell? Um, also, uh, the, he calls it the divine dilemma. Now having he, the humanity has fallen, what is God's recourse? What is the thing that he can do to correct the situation? The third thing we spoke about was the nature of the death of Christ. Why did it have to be a humiliating public death like it was? And then he spoke also about the resurrection, the nature, the nature of the resurrection, and how we are resurrected, um, both physically and spiritually, with him. And last week we spoke about the the defense and the refutation of some of the arguments that the Jews made against the doctrine of the incarnation. So today is the last section we will study, um, which is a refutation to the Gentiles. So while last week we spoke about um, the arguments that the Jews had against the incarnation, how is it that the Messiah whom they had been looking for, who has prophesied about in their scriptures, how is it that he had, could have come in, 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 as a man? This was not something they, they expected or understood. Um, and so he explained and he defended um, the incarnation dogma to the, the Jews. Today we will speak about how he defends the, the kind of the, the, the arguments that the Gentiles have against uh, the doctrine of incarnation. And his approach is very different because when he speaks to the Jews, he can, he can bring uh, to light all of the prophecies and the Old Testament that the Jews accepted and believed in. And he can show how they point to, uh, they point to Christ, how they point to this man, who um, Jesus of Nazareth, who was the Christ. But when speaking to the Gentiles, he does not have the benefit of being able to appeal to the prophecies because the prophecies were not believed by the Gentiles. So instead, he speaks more philosophically. He speaks more logically. How is it that we can understand this doctrine um, of the Incarnation? So the first uh, question that, uh, that he asks was really one of the, 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 the complaints or the accusations of the Gentiles against the doctrine of the Incarnation. He says, can a deity enter the human nature? He says, they laugh at that which is no fit subject for mockery, yet fail to see the shame and ridiculousness of their own idols. So he says what the, the, the Gentiles said, there is, how is it possible that a deity, who maybe they did believe in different deities and different gods as pagans, how is it that one of these gods could come and take on the human nature? In their understanding, the, dog, the gods were living in, in some different realm um, as divine beings, and their creation, the human beings, it was unfit for these gods to take the form and to become as one of the creation. And so St. Athanasius points out that even though they say that this is um, something ridiculous to happen, and yet they don't see the ridiculousness of the fact that their gods are gods made by human hands. 
They, they make gods out of wood and stone, these idols, and then they worship it and they say that this is a god. How could this be a god when um, it was made by uh, a human being? Um, and so St. Athanasius goes on and he says, No one admits the presence of the word of God in the universe as a whole should think it unsuitable for a single human body to be by him actuated and enlightened. Meaning what? Meaning if God is everywhere present and God is the one who created all things, then why is it difficult for us to believe that God is present in a human being? Why is it, why is it difficult for, for him to take such a form? Why is it difficult that the one who is in all places to be also localized in one place? And so this is um, the response that St. Athanasius gives to this, um, to, to this accusation. Yeah, then they also asked, why did God not appear in a nobler form? Meaning, why is it that God did not appear in a grander form than just a human being? Why didn't he appear as something else, right? And, and St. Athanasius says, the Lord did not come to make a display. He came to heal and teach suffering men. Meaning, even though God is glorious, and even though, of course, God is divine, and if we were to see him sitting on his throne in heaven, no one would doubt that he is indeed God and all the way that everyone is worshiping him. But the form that he chose to come in on the earth was not intended to demonstrate his glory. Actually, everything that he did was very humble. He was born in a manger. He was born in a, in a poor family. Um, he, he never did anything very um, politically powerful. Even when they wanted to make him a king, he fled and didn't want to be a king. Um, and, and, and even his miracles, often when he would heal people, he would tell them, do not tell anyone what you have seen, right? He did, he did not seek the glory for himself when he came in his incarnation. The glory will come to him in the second coming. Because in the second coming, he will count, come with the sound of a trumpet. He will come on the clouds. He will come with the angels. He will come in power. And while he will come as a lion in the second coming, the first time he came as a lamb. He came meekly. He came in a, in a, in, in a, in a less ostentatious way, in a less showy way, not revealing the fullness of his glory because his purpose was not to, to, to do so. His purpose was to heal. His purpose was to bring salvation. His purpose was to teach. He goes on and he says, sun, moon, heaven, stars, water, air, none of these had swerved from their order, but knowing the word as their maker and their king remained as they were made. Men alone, having rejected what is good, have invented nothings instead of the truth and have ascribed the honor due to God and the knowledge concerning him to demons and men in the form of stones. So he goes on and he says, why is it that the Lord had to become a human being and nothing else more glorious? He says, because the human being was the source of the problem. The human being was the one who sinned. The human being is the one who deviated from the will of God and thus brought sin into the creation and thus corrupted himself and corrupted all of creation. So in order to heal, in order to undo and correct what was wrong, he goes in the form of the thing that made the error. And because that is what he has to heal. The moon did not sin. The sun did not sin. No, none of these other things sinned, right? It was the human being is the one who sinned. And so the Lord becomes as a human being so that he can correct what it is that had been broken. So he goes on then to address another uh, refutation, uh, which is why did God have to take flesh to heal humanity? Okay. And he responds and he says this, they, meaning the Gentiles, will say that if God wanted to instruct and save mankind, he might have done so, not by his words assumption of a body, but even as he at first created them by the mere signification of his will. What does it mean? It means how did God create human beings to begin with? 
All he did was he, he had a thought and he spoke a word. And then all of creation came to be. All of the creation, all the universe, all of the earth, all of nature, all of the creatures and mankind as well. They came about because of God's desire. He thought of them and he spoke a word and they suddenly were, they became. So as God said, let there be light and there was light, right? So if God could have done so with the original creation, why is it then when it comes time for the salvation of man that God wants to correct what had been broken, why couldn't he have done it the same way? That he just speaks a word and then suddenly everything is corrected. Everything is, is brought back to the way that it should be. Why is it that God actually had to make the effort to, to, be, to become incarnate as a human being and heal us through his incarnation rather than simply by his will, by speaking a word? So he responds to this uh, refutation and he, or he responds to this attack. He says, if death had been exterior to the body, life might fittingly have been the same. But if death was within the body, woven into its very substance and dominating it as though completely one with it, the need was for life to be woven into it instead, so that the body, by thus enduing itself with life, might cast corruption off. He's saying the, 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 the kind of the pervasiveness of sin was so much that it was not sufficient to simply have an exterior remedy. It wasn't just something word that would be said from the outside. It needed something from the inside. It needed him to actually take this flesh and purify it internally with himself rather than just to speak a word. And this kind of indicates to us kind of the magnitude of the sin. Um, you know, when we look at the creation and we say, wow, God created all of the universe. He created it with just his word. But when it came to undoing the sin, when it came to healing what was broken, it's like it was a harder problem. It was something more difficult than to simply create everything from nothing. It was a harder problem to take what was broken and to remake it, right? Maybe people who were engineers, for instance, um, know that sometimes it's easier to make something from scratch than it is to fix something that's already been broken. Um, so, so this is what God is doing. He says, in order for me to remake, I have to enter myself into it so that it can be remade, so that it can be healed. And so this is what this is what St. Athanasius is saying. It was not sufficient simply for God to speak a word, but that he enter into us and to take our flesh and to heal us from within. He also says this example, okay? So he says, stubble is a substance naturally destructible by fire. Stubble is like this material that's very easily um, inflamed, very easily caught on fire. Maybe people start fires with it. They put, put, it, put it inside, it catches on fire easily so that the rest of the wood of the, of the fire will catch on fire. So stubble is a substance naturally destructible by fire and it still remains stubble, fearing the menace of fire, which has the natural property of consuming it. Right, so the stubble is like afraid of the fire because it's very vulnerable. It's very vulnerable to fire. Even if fire is kept away from it so that it is not actually burnt. Right, so if there is something that we know we are vulnerable to, we are afraid of it because we know that if it were to come, it could harm us, it could destroy us. So saying this stubble, even though uh, the fire is not close to it, but it is like afraid of this fire. But suppose that instead of merely keeping the fire from it, somebody soaks the stubble with a quantity of asbestos, which prevents burning, the substance which is said to be the antidote to fire. 
Then the stubble no longer fears the fire because it has put on that which fire cannot touch, and therefore it is safe. It is just the same with regard to the body and death. Had death been kept from it by a mere command, it would still have remained mortal and corruptible according to its nature. Meaning this, that what God granted us in coming into our nature, the immortality he granted us, the healing he granted us, is even greater than simply have sp having spoken a word. And the example he says what is now we are no longer afraid of death because death has no power over us. You, know, you can think of it like this, like imagine that you live in a home and you have an amazing security system, right? And that security system has a bunch of cameras, security cameras, locks, alarms, motion sensors, all kinds of things. You are still very vulnerable, but the environment around you is relatively safe, okay? But if there were to happen, a burglar were to have circumvented all of those measures and entered into the house, you would be just as vulnerable as though you didn't have any of that because he was able to get through, right? But if you were yourself invulnerable, if you were yourself invincible, then it wouldn't matter if you had the alarm system or not because even if the burglar were to come, there is absolutely nothing he can do to you. So he's saying, by, by God entering into our nature, he made us impervious to death, to the eternal death, to the spiritual death. He granted us eternal life so that death itself, this burglar that comes to us and tries to attack us, this death itself has no power, right? So we don't have to be worried about it coming, right? It's not that, death, it's not that God told the death, don't approach them. No, he said what? Even if the death approaches, it has no power. And this is the power that Christ himself displayed and presented in his crucifixion and his resurrection. He did not say, I am, I am clever enough to avoid death and I will live forever because I'm clever to avoid death. He says, no, let the death come. Let it come upon me and I will demonstrate my power over it so that I will be resurrected and it has no power over me. And this is also what he has granted to us. So finally, in conclusion in, 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 in of, this, of this whole work that he wrote, um, he emphasizes this one point, okay, that in order for us to truly understand all that was said, in order for us to truly understand the incarnation or to truly understand the word of God, then we have to seek God sincerely in truth so that we can comprehend and understand the, the works of God and the word of God. He says, but for the searching and right understanding of the scriptures, there is need of a good life and a pure soul. And for Christian virtue to guide the mind to grasp, so far as human nature can, the, true cons the truth concerning God the Word. One cannot possibly understand the teachings of the saints unless one has a pure mind and is trying to imitate their life. This means that if someone, like a skeptical person, who has no desire or intent to follow the Word of God, tries to comprehend what he is saying, he will not understand and he will not benefit from it. But if a person submits his will to the word of God, then in, under, in seeking him and in understanding and through prayer, then the word of God will become alive for him and he will be able to understand and perceive the truth. He will be filled with the grace of God to understand. In order for us to truly be Christians and to be Orthodox, it is not sufficient just to have a lot of knowledge. It is not sufficient for us to just read books. It is not sufficient for us to, to simply fill our minds with all the facts of God because such facts will be cold and distant and they will not be fully understood 
we will not understand their significance. But the person who is seeking God, who submits his will to him, who is wanting to live and to try to live the words of God, this person will understand the significance. This person will see the work of God working in their life. And so here, this is the conclusion that St. Athanasius is giving. He says, anyone who wants to truly understand the doctrine of incarnation, live with it. Follow this God whom we believe. Submit your will to him, and then you will understand the necessity. Why is it that God had to come in the way that he did? And indeed, all of the works of God, all of the ways of God, all, everything that God calls us to do, they will suddenly make sense as we will be enlightened. We will be enlightened with the grace of God working in us. So this is the conclusion of um, On the Incarnation by St. Athanasius that we studied over the past four weeks. I definitely encourage everyone to study it. There's many, many parts that we skipped over. Um, it is not extremely long, but it has a lot more things that we could study. It's a very beautiful book, something for us to learn from, and definitely very applicable to our season now, as we are getting ready to celebrate the Incarnation. And glory be to God forever. Amen.